I'm Jenny Carlson. And I'm Barry Trammell. Welcome to the Jenny and Barry Show. Week two is in the books for the Sooners and the Cowboys, Barry, and some interesting developments off the field. But uh, before we dissect what happened in OU's win over SMU, OSU's victory at Arizona State, and even before we look ahead to the final non-conference games for these two teams, Barry, we have to start with the story of the weekend. Maybe the story in college football. No, nah, that's not true. It's probably probably Texas at Alabama that's the story of college football. But let's start with this. Art Bryles, Barry. I saw him on the field at the end of the OU game. Uh, I was getting ready to shoot a video, and when I uh, noticed him there, the, the disgraced Baylor coach, he was talking to Jeff Lebby. Everybody knows uh, Jeff as the uh, OU offensive coordinator, but also Bryles' uh, son-in-law. By the time I looked again, I didn't know where Bryles was, but – He was clearly on the field. Pictures were taken. People were aware of it. He's wearing OU gear. Barry, how much of a black eye is this for OU? I actually don't think it's that much of a black eye considering these Sooners already had their eyes blackened. Um, You know, OU made the choice to hire Jeff Levy a year and a half ago, 20 months ago, and this was going to be the natural fallout. Uh, You knew you you were going to be associated with Art Bryles. And... I didn't know. To me, what's interesting is Joe Stiglione has you know, sort of did an impassioned uh, rebuke of of the situation, said uh, I think he's disappointed is what he said. Angry is what he meant, it sounded like. But he talked about certain parameters or stipulations weren't met. I'd like to know what those are, what exactly what, what the Sooners have in place uh, to try to keep Art Bryles at uh, sort of at arm's length. But the truth is, when you hire Jeff Levy, you let the you, you let the cat in the hen house. So, um, I, I I don't know that this is. I think it's a bigger deal in the state of Oklahoma uh, than it is outside because I I think people were scratching their heads when they hired Jeff Levy in the first place. Well, I think there is a lot of truth to what you said, but I do think, you know, the fact that Art Bryles was not only on the field at the end of the game. But also in OU gear, I think for a lot of people, that was a highly distasteful thing to see, um, you know, that he would wear OU gear. Of course, there were hundreds of thousands of people in the state of Oklahoma wearing OU gear on Saturday. But still, for him and the baggage that he carries to be wearing that interlocking OU, I think that rankled a lot of people. And Barry, you and I both know this. There are people all the time that go to OU games and you know, are there, and you don't even know they're there. I saw Jalen Williams, your favorite, Santa Clara, the Santa Clara Flash uh, with the Thunder, saw him on Saturday at the end of the game. I don't think many people knew he was there. He was leaving before the game was over. He was taking kind of a back area where a lot of people weren't. So you can be at an OU game and not be on the field, under the lights, visible for all to see. And I think that's where, you know, there, is there a chance Art Bryles has been at every OU home game since Jeff Lubby took over? Absolutely. But I think him being out there on the field, being so public about it, I think that really angered fans. And Barry, I'm, I'm with you. I think Joe C was, was angry. And I'll be curious to see what, what fallout there is, if anything. Do you think there will be any? Oh, I'm not sure. Again, it goes back to what was in place when they hired Jeff Levy. Um, you know, I, I think it's a it's a strange situation in that you hire hire a guy and say, well, you know, your father-in-law can't come to the games or your father-in-law can't do this. I mean, that 
that's a it's sort of a unique uh, unique parameters. Um, I will give I will give the Bryles family or Art Bryles whoever uh, I'll I'll cut them a little slack and and that I never thought of anybody being on a field after the game. When I first saw the picture and heard about it, of course, I was in Phoenix, uh, Tempe at the Oklahoma State game, saw a post about it. I thought, well, that's crazy. What's he doing on the field? That's nuts. And then I hear it's after the game. Most people are gone. I mean, most of the fans are leaving. I don't know. Uh, you know, I think NBA players get on the sidelines of football games, not because they necessarily want to be uh, unbothered by autograph seekers, but because they want to be seen. I don't necessarily think that's what Art Bryles was doing. I think legitimately just went down on the field to, to uh, sort of uh, join with his family and, and his successful son-in-law. Um, I just think it's a, it's a bad, it's a bad situation from the start. And it's just the residue of what happens when you, when you hire Jeff Levy. And here's the other problem. Uh, with with Levy as he was in it's not like he's an innocent victim in all this he was involved so he's got baggage himself so it's it's a uh, it's just an unfortunate situation uh, you're right I don't know how many times Art Browse has been here I assume several over the last year and, and two games um, I, so we'll see what Joe does I don't I I tend to think um, there will be some some things said but I also don't know that there can be mandates laid down. That seems uh, sort of a, a line in the sand that, that I don't know that it would hold up. Uh, it definitely wouldn't be contractual. And I don't think OU wants the, uh, I don't think OU wants the, the mess of, of threatening to fire Jeff Levy or run him off. So it's just one big mess and it's unfortunate, but, I don't know that anything that happened yesterday was the cause. I think the cause began in December of, of 2020. I'm sorry, December of 21, when Oklahoma hired Jeff Levy to start with. Well, OU, I'm sure, is like every university. They ban people from their stadiums and arenas from time to time for behavior that's unbecoming to the university, the facility, the team. I think having Art Bryles on the field at any point in, in that day with OU gear on was unbecoming to OU. And there's a chance, I think, that Joe Castiglione says Art Bryles cannot come into the stadium or the football facilities anymore. I know that sounds extreme, but I don't think it's I don't think it's a fireable offense for Jeff Levy, but I do think we may see something happen. Stay tuned on that, obviously. Uh, there was a game. Uh, so let's talk a little bit about the Sooners, Barry. Uh, a week after we saw that cakewalk against Arkansas State, OU finds itself in a much more competitive game against SMU. And Bear, you were obviously, as you said, in Arizona watching OU uh, SMU from afar on TV. What what impressed you about the Sooners coming out of that game? Well, I thought the defense was really good. I mean, we don't know for sure what kind of an offense SMU is going to have, but they were very good last year. They've got good talent. They got a great offensive coach. There's every reason to think this is going to be a prolific offense, uh, and and uh, with the Mustangs this year. And the Oklahoma defense played exceptional. 11 points, uh, held, uh, held their thumb on SMU most of the day. That's a very, very good sign. Unfortunately, the OU offense didn't explode. So the game stays tight, 14-11, early fourth quarter. Uh, OU offense is going to have to be better than that in a lot of games if the Sooners want to win. But I did think that the defensive performance was very encouraging. 
Yeah, I thought the defense was was really good too. We'll talk about Danny Stutzman here in just a second. But um, on the offensive side, even though we haven't seen them, I mean, obviously they scored seven, 73 points against uh, Arkansas State, but kind of putting that aside, they didn't blow the top off anything on Saturday against SMU. That has been a hallmark of, of great OU offenses, having those field-stretching uh, wide receivers, those plays that really uh, go the distance. So we didn't see much of that. But I am heartened a little bit, Barry, by seeing Andrell Anthony continue to emerge. I, I think OU has its feature back in uh, Tywee uh, Walker, which I'm surprised. I didn't think he'd be that guy, but uh, we haven't seen much of Gavin Sawchuk, not much of Javante Barnes. Marcus Major's been okay, but to me, Walker has been really uh, standout. So I think they're starting to maybe figure out who their go-tos are, and maybe that leads to the offense maybe having those those big plays moving forward. Uh, we'll see. I know that they didn't call many of them against SMU. Uh, maybe as they move move ahead, having those guys that do have some of those big play abilities or look to have some big play abilities, maybe that's where you start to see the offense stretch it just a little bit. Uh, I mentioned Danny Stutzman a second ago. Barry had 17 tackles in this game. A year ago, we'd have said Danny Stutzman had 17 tackles. That's because he was like one of three linebackers, so you felt comfortable playing. Brent Venables could only trust Stutzman and a couple other guys. But after seeing that performance on Saturday, what does it say now do you feel like about Danny Stutzman? Well, the Brent Venables defense spotlights linebacker. It's, it's designed to open up the field for linebackers to run and make a play. And Stutzman did that yesterday. That's what he's supposed to do, and he did it well. And has, you know, won some won some awards already for his, his play against SMU, and, and will win some more. Uh, it's a very good sign. Oklahoma has been a little uh, bereft of talent at linebacker. Stutzman uh, appears to be ready to uh, upgrade that. So that's very good. Um, I, I let's just remember though that when a linebacker does have so many tackles, it's it's because uh, the line is engaging the blockers and, and, and holding them at bay. And the, uh, uh, the secondary is doing some great pass coverage and forcing the ball to be dumped off uh, for short yardage so that the linebackers can make tackles. So I just, I think a big day by Stutzman means other people are doing their job. And I think that's very encouraging as well. I just, I, to me, this is the best side for Oklahoma football uh, through two games is that the defense is improved. It certainly looks improved. And if if the offense can get in gear, well, then the Sooners could have what would be a you know fairly standard Oklahoma season with very high, uh, very high expectations. So that's very good. I like I liked what I saw out of Stutzman, but I also liked what I saw out of his teammates. Yeah, you've suddenly made me feel a little bit better about OU's almost non-existent pass rush. Didn't have much of a pass rush on Saturday. I understand Preston Stone, the SMU quarterback. Really pretty good, pretty talented kid. So I, I understand that, but not a not a ton of quarterback hurries, only one sack. I'd like to see more in terms of pass rush, but you're right. Those defensive linemen have been holding up uh, their blockers, have been you know opening the door for the linebackers. Stutzman had the big numbers, but I thought Canick played well. Jaron Canick played well at linebacker. Uh, Justin Harrington playing well. Haven't seen much of Desan McCullough. Seems like he's still nursing an injury. Maybe they're just trying to, you know, keep him on the shelf as long as possible. So if those linebackers can be allowed to make plays and then go make them, to me, that's huge in Brent Venable's defense. So uh, a lot of a lot of positives. I agree about the defense, Barry. 
let me ask you a question. You mentioned the quarterback hurries. Was OU not credited with many quarterback hurries? And did you you think that was fairly accurate? It it seemed a little low to me. I think there was five or six maybe credited. Here's the reason I ask. I'm I'm in I'm in Tempe Saturday night, and in the Arizona State's last possession, Cowboys have a 12 point lead, so they know they know where you know three minutes left, whatever. Arizona State's going to be airing it out. First three downs, incompletions by Arizona State, and in all three, OSU defenders got right in the quarterback's face and hit him as he threw. At the, three straight at the end of the game, OSU had two quarterback hurries. So I don't know what's going on. They're, they're, you know, they're rationing out quarterback hurries, it appears to me, perhaps in Norman as well as in the Arizona desert. Yeah, I'm not sure what uh, qualifies, but I would say a person in your face when you're throwing the ball would qualify. So maybe something we'll look into here at uh, Sellout Crowdberry. Okay, uh, lastly, let's look ahead a little bit on OU. We'll get to a prediction in a second, but OU heads to Tulsa, finish up non-conference on the road. They're one road game in non-conference this year. Golden Hurricane, more like Arkansas State than SMU, I would think. What would you like to see as OU prepares for conference play, but is playing a team that's not going to be probably close to what they are going to see in the Big 12? Well, here's what I here's what I like about Tulsa, and we're going to see if this continues with Kevin Wilson. But in the last few years, uh, with Philip Montgomery as the coach up in Tulsa, the Golden Hurricane played pretty tough defense. Really good in 20, uh, really good in 21, probably fell off some last season, but they created a defensive culture. And I would like to see if OU can hit some hit some standards. Can they can they get back into the into the high scoring ways? You know, um the uh the uh, Washington scored was at 43, I think, on Tulsa yesterday, on uh, Saturday. But this is a Washington. Washington team that surpassed the 50 mark on Boise State, uh, a traditionally pretty tough team. So I think Tulsa's still pretty good defensive program, and if the Sooners can can, can light them up, that's a good sign. But um, I'm not sure that it's going to happen. So to me, that's that's going to be the the linchpin for me. Will the Sooners be able to score? Uh, not at will, but score at a high rate against the Golden Hurricane. Something that's closer to what they did against Arkansas State, but uh, somewhere between that and SMU. I mean, 73 to uh, in the 20s is a bit of a swing. I agree. I, I think that'd be great. Here's another thing I'd like to see out of the Sooners next week at Tulsa. Less big penalties. Barry, they had some big penalties in that game yesterday. That touchdown drive that SMU put together uh, to make it 14-11. Three massive penalties, defensive pass interference, had the sideline interference call. Brent Venables took the fall for. Big stuff along the way. they got to cut that out. Uh, you know, those are the types of things that in conference play especially can really turn a game. So get clean that up. Get, get rid of those big penalties um, that can really turn a game. I'd like to see that be a step that OU takes in that Tulsa game. All right, real quick, Barry, give us a score prediction for OU Tulsa. Oh, I think I think I'm going to go over you somewhere around 41-13, something okay. like 41-13. I do think Sooners will find a way to score more. I, I don't think they were happy with their offense um, yesterday, so I think they that will be an emphasis this week. Uh, I expect the Sooners to roll. I'm going to say 41-13. 
I'll go with the uh, high 30s. I'll go 38-17. That's my score for the Sooners at Tulsa. All right, let's jump over to OSU, Barry. Yeah, I I was in the desert for the Cowboys' escape. They trail 15-7 in the second quarter, get within 15-10 at halftime, and then dominate the second half. And, of course, the story of this OSU season is Mike Gundy's remarkable quarterback carousel. He's platooning three quarterbacks, and he doesn't seem to be ashamed of it, and he doesn't seem to be interested in uh, stopping it anytime soon. He goes in game one. He goes with Garrett Rangel, Alan Bowman, Gunnar Gundy, basically in thirds. Last night, same thing, except he puts Rangel at the bottom of the line, uh, at the back of the line, starts Bowman. So uh, basically cuts the games into into thirds and, and is platooning quarterbacks. Uh, what are we to make of this, um, Jacko? What what do you what do you think through two games? What's what's being accomplished? What's what what do you think the pros and cons? What's going on with the OSU quarterbacking? You know, I was thinking about this driving home last night from Norman. I was listening to the the end of the uh, OSU game on the radio, and you know, I was thinking, you know, would they have been as a, in a tight of fit if they would have picked a starter and just rolled with them? Um, was this a what was the closeness of that game any sort of product of the quarterback rotation? And I don't think it was, Barry. I mean, they were obviously in a tighter fit than they expected in the opener against Central Arkansas, but I'm not sure that was a quarterback situation either. I'm not sure you could say, ah, quarterback was what was the problem there. And I don't think it was the same thing. It's the same sort of situation at, at Arizona State. So, you know, if Mike Gundy's doing this, and presumably he is to try to figure out who his starter should be, I don't know that there's being much more clarity at some point. I would think that they at least have to cut it down to two, Um, you know, platooning two is uh, you hardly see that, but three, surely they can't keep this up. I mean, what are we to make of it? I think it's, there's going to be a time when they have to pick a starter, but I don't personally feel very like I know anything closer to understanding who that guy could be than I did when the season started. Yeah. I mean, what if this is actually happening? Think about this, Jacko. What if Mike Gundy's just entered a, an era of just telling the truth? And when he said, I have no idea who's our best quarterback. We can't figure it out. We're just going to let him play it out. What if that's – when I watched him play, you know, I, I, I watched the uh, the opener against Central Arkansas on ESPN+. Plus. I watched last night live. I can't pick one who's ahead in the derby. I can't pick out – which one's playing the best. They're all a little different, but they're all playing at about the same level. I can understand Gundy's uh, mystery and his bewilderment on who's the best quarterback of the three. Maybe he really is just saying, let's have a derby. And at some point somebody will emerge, but through two games, nobody has emerged. And it's been other things that have sort of decided the running game has gotten going in the second half. Defense has played well. Um, the quarterbacks have been stable. They've just all been about the same. So I don't know. Um, but Gundy said he's prone to do the same thing this Saturday against South Alabama. Now, is your expectation that they just move the lineup up? Gunner Gundy becomes a starter? We will see that. I think Gunner Gundy is likely to start on Saturday. Gun, Gun, Gundy, Rangel, Bowman. That would give all three quarterbacks – one game in each of the three time slots. You know, it's almost like the college football window, the morning, the afternoon, and the night the night slots. So 
We got uh, we got the starter, we got the middle reliever, and we got the closer. That's what we've seen. And you know, I, I charted it last night. All three guys played between 18 and 24 snaps. Gundy and Bowman each had four possessions. Rangel had three. The yardage was not too difficult. They all scored. Um, you know, all produced a touchdown drive. And I guess, who was it? Uh, Gundy and Rangel had field goals uh, under their under their leadership. So nobody's really separating themselves. What is encouraging, though, is that the OSU defense is really starting to play. And I wrote about this uh, last night. This one reminded me of the 21 Boise State. You know, you wrote about You mentioned it last week that o- OSU struggling against 1AA opponents is not a death knell, because that's what they did in 21. They messed around with Missouri State for most of that game, could have lost that season opener, and ended up being a top-10 team in the nation, wins the Fiesta Bowl, finished first in the Big 12 standings. By any definition, had an outstanding team. Here we go again. They do it. They struggle with a 1AA team, Central Arkansas. And then, uh, last night in Phoenix, they mess around with Arizona State a good chunk of the game, have to rally to win. That's what they did at Boise State in 21. We left Boise thinking this is not a very good team, even if they are 3-0. We left Phoenix thinking this is a not a very good team, even if they are 2-0. Yeah. But what maybe this defense is is growing into something that can that can rival the 21 team. Is that a is that a fairy tale or is that something that actually could happen for the Cowboys? I mean, we didn't see it coming in 21. So to think that, you know, we we might have some sort of better vision in 23 seems a little presumptuous. I mean, it does seem in terms of 20, that 21 team had had Jim Knowles uh, leading that defense for several years. They had veterans on the defense in the system. They were really coming into their own. We'd seen it. We'd seen it percolating in the in the, uh, in the in the season and a little bit before that, that that was a defense that was really coming together. Obviously, we don't have that long stretch of runway leading into this season with Brian Nardo. This was only game two for him. So it's a little hard to gauge from that standpoint. But I think that there are at least some really good playmakers on this defense, Barry, whether you're talking about, you know, Colin Oliver, uh, Kendall Daniels some guys that we didn't expect to be uh, playmakers that are, are out there making plays. So um, I don't know if I'm ready to say it's likely or even possible, but I also didn't think that 21 defense as good as they were, you know, and they had Spencer Sanders, a known commodity, at quarterback, lots of things that sort of lined up to look pretty positive for them. I still, I, I'm, you mentioned the Boise state game. Two years later, I still don't quite know how OSU won that game. So the fact that you would have that good of a team with that close of a call, I mean, it it feels like with their schedule and some things that line up pretty well, who knows? I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility, Barry. How about that? Yeah, and here's the thing to remember. Uh, this is a bewildering OSU team. They This is a team that keeps playing games they could lose, but they haven't. And that's what the 21 team did. It flirted with defeat. It avoided defeat. If you can do that, you can produce a really good season. Another element that keeps repeating itself is the Cowboys can't run the ball 
until it really matters late in the game. Fourth quarter against Central Arkansas, second half against Arizona State. Two things going on. One is outstanding uh, adjustments, I think, by the OSU coaching staff. Last night, running the inside zone instead of the outside zone, changing the blocking schemes, those kinds of things. But can they get to the point where they sort of can tinker with that in the first quarter or the second quarter, get this running game going much quicker? Last night, all three tailbacks had big, big second halves. Cowboys need that running game, though, in the first half. Yeah, no doubt about it. I have to a moment of admission here, Barry. So you're in the desert watching it live. I'm in Norman. The game in Norman gets over roughly half an hour before OSU kicks off. So I was at least aware of what was happening in the first half, but not really watching. I didn't really get a chance to start watching, uh, have the game on sort of in the corner of my laptop until the second half. And every time I felt like every time I looked down, I saw an OSU running back going for five yards, seven yards. I thought, man, they're running over these guys. This is the run game has emerged. Look at this. Again, it wasn't until that drive home (laughs) listening to the OSU radio broadcast that I heard that OSU had zero rushing stats at halftime. Zero, Barry. I couldn't believe. I did not know that. You wouldn't know that looking at him in the second half. No, and, you know, they had a couple of sacks in the first half. But that just – I think the tailbacks had 13 yards on eight carries in the first half. They just couldn't find any running room. But um, Elijah Collins – Oliver Gordon, uh, I called him Oliver, Ollie Gordon, and uh, and Jaden Nixon all had had big plays and 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 really momentum changing runs. They really got it going. It gives you hope that things can turn around. We'll see. South Alabama uh, comes to town this week. Iowa State is the week after uh, up in Ames, then a bye week, and then the horror of horrors. Back-to-back games against the Kansas Behemoths, KUK State. Can the can the Cowboys get to four and zero going into October uh, for that Texas for that Kansas one-two punch and see where the season takes them? I definitely think so. Hey, one other thing I'll say about the run game: we were talking about that Boise State game. You know what happened in that game? A guy named Jalen Warren <laughs> stepped I- up. That's the game they found him. That's the game yeah. when they found he's a difference maker. No doubt about it. And that's also the game they figured out they had an offensive line that could block for him. So who knows? Maybe we see even more parallels moving forward from this Arizona State game. But I do think it's highly possible OSU gets to the bye week 4-0, and then they get K-State at home, Barry, on a Friday night. You know that's going to be a great atmosphere. What you said earlier about OSU finding ways to win. You know, sometimes it's not pretty. Sometimes it's maddening. Sometimes it's confounding. This quarterback situation, defense figuring things out, running game that can't run in the first half, it runs over people in the second half. It's confusing. But at the end of the day, if you win, that's the biggest deal. So uh, I think I think OSU beats South Alabama. I think they uh, beat Iowa State. And then we'll see. And then I think we really get to find out how truly good could this OSU team be. The Big 12 schedule makers truly indeed did OSU a solid, gave them a pretty easy schedule, also gave them a pretty good schedule order. This is this is a schedule built for success. All right, score prediction from Stillwater. Remember, South Alabama, Sunbelt Conference, is not a bad team. Had a breakout year last year. Dang near took down uh, UCLA in the Rose Bowl, played Tulane, a tough game in the season opener 
uh, a week ago. Score prediction for the Jaguars-Cowboys. I'm going Cowboys 31-21, Barry. I, I think it'll... I think you'll see, you know, some more good progress. I don't think this is a blowout type game, but I like OSU by double digits. I got 35-17. Uh, I do think uh, uh, the Cowboys uh, showed some improvement in, uh, in in a lot of ways. Maybe they can be more in command of this game than they have in the past. Hey, two quick things before we go, Barry. We saw the talk about big stories. We were talking about Art Bryles at OU, but nationally, Alabama, Texas got everybody's attention. Texas wins by double digits. Gotta ask, is Texas actually, finally, truly back? Will you think less of me as a person if I say yes? <laughs> I'm thinking about saying yes. You know, when you when you win eight games or nine games or do whatever Texas has done for the last 13 years, I don't know what they've been doing. Uh, it. I don't want to hear about being back. You go to Tuscaloosa and win, and you want to say you're back, I can't argue with you. That's not the place. Uh, do you know the last non-conference team to beat Alabama in the regular season? Louisiana Monroe in 2007. Ooh. Holy cow. So this is – Alabama has been dominant, uh, usually in neutral site games. But this game was at Bryant-Denny Stadium. And for Texas to go in there, very impressive. I think it does uh, two things. It, turn, it, it really reorders the national championship picture in 2023. Think of it this way. SEC entered this year really with three strong college football playoff contenders. Georgia, Alabama, LSU. Two of them already have lost. Neither one in a true road game. LSU lost in Orlando to Florida State. So uh, it it sort of brings the SEC back to the pack in terms of playoff pedigree for this season. And the other thing is, this really changes the order of how OU will enter the, the SEC a year from now. Uh, the idea that Texas has elevated its program has to be alarming to the Sooners because they've been flourishing these last decade and a half with Texas not doing much. On the other hand, if Alabama is slipping, that can't but help Oklahoma. So it's a give and go on that, but it was a monumental game. Tip my cap to tip my cap to Quinn Ewers. I thought he played very solid. I thought Steve Sarkeesian had his team ready. I thought Texas was very physical. Hey, it's fun to bash the Longhorns north of the Red River, but in this case, they deserve nothing but praise. Hey, I'll say this about Texas. For them to have fallen behind late in that game and still find a way to come back and then win by double digits. I thought that resolve was impressive. We haven't always seen that out of Texas during the, the downturn that they've had in recent years. So I thought that was definitely a sign of uh, a positive momentum for the, the horns. Lastly, Barry, before we go, got to talk Deion Sanders real quick. Let's go. Let's go with this question. Let's let's shoot big. Is Colorado good enough to win the Pac-12 this year, Barry? Could they win the Pac-12 this year? Unfortunately, Dion picked this season to resurrect the Buffaloes. This season is the best Pac-12's Pac-12 year, maybe since since uh, Troy Aikman and Rodney Pete were sharing uh, the city of Los Angeles. Um, it's a rugged league. Uh, they're not, people aren't losing. Oregon State's a, a powerhouse. Washington State is a load. Uh, 
Uh, Utah is, uh, you know, two-time defending champion. And USC has Caleb Williams. I actually don't think Colorado has enough to win the Pac-12. They still can get pushed around on offense. Uh, I mean, get, their defense can get pushed around. Uh, I think we saw yesterday that their passing game you know, has its limits. So I think Colorado is a really good story, a really good team. I doubt they can make it uh, to the Pac-12 championship game, but oh my goodness, Dion, you've done an unbelievable job. Please, please, please stay at Colorado next year so we can have you in the Big 12. No doubt. I'm all for that. By the way, the field storming at the end, Barry, they need to remind people that's the 2023 Huskers, not the 1993 Huskers. That beating the Huskers isn't exactly a big deal, but people were fired up. It was so cool to see how packed Folsom Field was for that game. I remember going to games there when it was that way, but it hasn't been that way in a very long time. So to see the fans like that, super, super cool. Especially for, remember, that was a 10 a.m. kickoff. <laughs> in Boulder. Hey, that's yeah. all the time we've got uh, for this week. Remember the Sooners? Go to Tulsa, play at 2.30 p.m. kickoff. OSU returns home, play South Alabama at 6 p.m. We'll be all over those games for Sellout Crowd, where you can find all of our content, including shows like this on YouTube, Spotify, iTunes, or anywhere you get your favorite podcasts. And of course, you can find us at selloutcrowd.com. All of Jacko's stuff is at jennycarlson.com. My stuff is at barrytrammell.com. Thanks for joining us. We will talk to you next week.